Hi, welcome to Navigating the Spectrum with Michelle Portlock. I'm your host, Michelle Portlock, and I'm really happy to have you with me today. Today, I have Don Brower with me, and Don has been a pediatric physical therapist for over 21 years with children from birth through school age, and she has a passion for sensory processing and attachment. And I'm super excited to talk to Don today. So, Don, thank you so much for being with me. My pleasure. Well, I actually think the pleasure is mine. I have been following you and (laughs) not in a spooky, creepy way. No, I didn't think. But I follow you on Instagram and I just think what you do needs to be out there. People need to know that it exists and that there are resources like you that are available to them. So I guess in order for people to know who you are, we need to start by talking about what you do to help build bonds and attachment between children and their parents. So in my sessions, I'm primarily a pediatric physical therapist, but as I work in New York State Early Intervention, I, of course, you know, do more parent coaching. And I my passion is about empowering parents to kind of figure out the why of, of you know, why they're doing something. Why am I asking them to do something? Mm-hmm. Why is time important? And I'll give them the why. So within those sessions, you know, we can talk about attachment because attachment is a social emotional uh, skill. It's part of development, just like physical domain, fine motor domain, speech and language. You know, the social emotional component um, is is very significant, and it's mm-hmm. it's the domain upon which all other domains are actually built upon. It's it's the foundation, mm-hmm. and without that secure attachment, you know, everything we do for our children, you know, isn't really going to be as as important or as crucial as the social emotional bond. So within my sessions, I, uh, you know, teach them about what a secure attachment is and then strategies to kind of foster that. And, you know, one example is through infant massage. I'm also certified in infant massage to Mm. teach parents. Yeah. And, and touch is the way children learn about love. So they don't learn about love just by us saying we love them, but they learn about it in our touch and related to sensory motor processing. And let's say like proprioception, you know, you can feel when someone grabs your arm or if somebody touches you lovingly mm-hmm. and children learn about their, you know, with, through their primary caregivers, how the world is going to treat them. So we want to teach them through touch, you know, what love really is. And the the bottom line is that it's, as they say, EQ over IQ and EQ stands for emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. So I really, you know, aside from my passion for sensory motor processing about why children are sensory seekers or sensory avoiders and to teach parents how to be detectives about what their child is looking for. It's really also about bonding and attachment because that teaches the child to develop the confidence in themselves to go out and explore the world. A secure attachment allows for play and learning and an Mm -hmm. insecure attachment actually, you know, it, it, it leads down the road to mental health issues. They say mental health starts in infancy. It's also in utero, you know, not to get too specific and, and into like a whole, you know, that's a whole different topic, but (laughs) mental health starts very, very early on and will, you know, in utero and infancy. So I try to incorporate it because I'm about treating the whole child, mm-hmm. not just about the PT part, the legs, and then the OT gets the arms and the speech gets the mouth. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. I'm treating a little human being and you can't treat the child outside of the family dynamic. So I empower <gasps> the parents 
I am so happy to hear you say that. My favorite thing to tell my clients is uh, about autism. I say, you know, autism may be an individual diagnosis, but it actually involves the entire family. So I love hearing you say that. So I feel your passion just from listening to you. And I'm wondering how this, what you're doing, became your passion. Uh, So I might get a little emotional. I wasn't expecting to have an honorary psychology degree. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about sensory first. So sensory Mm -hmm. became passion because as a physical therapist, I was getting referrals for toe walkers or or quote unquote clumsy children. And I'm also very uh, well versed in um, like visual processing and visual deficits. So the clumsy isn't just about, let's say, a weak core or, you know, uh, just not being able to balance on one leg. It could be an undiagnosed visual deficit. It mm. could be a visual processing issue where they're not scanning their environment, you know, appropriately. Uh, the toe walkers could be they don't like the tactile stimulation to the bottom of their feet or they're craving proprioceptive input. So they're squeezing their gastroc muscles like there's so many different reasons why kids might toe walk or they're clumsy. And I was like, I didn't feel like I was I was doing right by the kids I work with if I just treated them from an orthopedic standpoint, like mm-hmm. you just at their range of motion in their heel cords and putting them in orthotics. I'm all about bare feet and getting them dirty and, and roughhousing with them and stimulating their vestibular system and, you know, incorporating into their daily life, you know, different strategies for the sensory diet or the physical therapy uh, gross motor aspect. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got into sensory. The way I got into attachment was, so my love of child development, my love of children, I, I'm very in interested and intrigued by psychology, but I didn't go to school for that. But I did dabble in learning how to create. There's a great book by Martin Seligman called How to, or The Optimistic Child, forgive me. It's called The Optimistic Child. And mm-hmm. I really taken, I wanted to, you know, teach my children that. So that was the first book in my path. But my life unexpectedly threw me a curveball. I am dealing with some issues um, in my family that have really made me like self-reflect and look back on my life and say, wait a minute, this was abuse. This was emotional abuse. This was mm-hmm. psychological abuse. And, and I realized because that was how I coped. I, I, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke. My, my coping strategy for the amount of stress that I was going through is to learn. I'm a truth seeker. Like, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And then I started getting into adverse childhood experiences and intergenerational trauma and, and personality disorders. So when I, when I saw what I was dealing with and I connected those dots, I said, but this is happening because of, of what, like generations before did, or even just a couple generations ago. And, and this has nothing to do, you know, I didn't cause this because I was taking it on myself. And then I just connected and combined what I was learning from my life experience to what I already had in my professional experience. Mm -hmm. And I was upset saying to myself, like, we need to teach these kids empathy and, and, and the secure attachment, it's not an option. Secure attachment is crucial and supporting single moms that are working two jobs. They need mm-hmm. to be there for their babies. Like this is, this is a bigger problem and it gets overwhelming, but it's also so simple. And we need to really kind of figure out like, how do we support our families, our primary caregivers, our, our children. And it goes from birth all the way through school because personality divorce, uh, disorders, 
they, they kind of solidify and they're really difficult to change up until 25. So mm-hmm. we have from birth through 25 and we need to learn the toxic dynamics of the parent child relationship that could spin, you know, anxiety, depression, mental health issues, physical issues. I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you, I'd love for you. To, I don't know if you've seen it before, but Dr. Nadine Burke Harris has a tremendous TED talk on how childhood trauma affects uh, health through the lifespan. And she wrote, oh my gosh, this was like a call to arms. Like if you saw the movie Braveheart, uh-huh. I wanted to paint my face and get on the roof and start saying, people, we're not doing right by our kids. Like we have to, we have to do what she's telling us. And mm-hmm. if you watch that, you're going to, you're going to feel like that passion. Like we got to do better. We got to do better for our kids so that our kids become adults and we have a better, healthier society. And then the generations to follow will benefit from what we're doing now. And Dr. Nadine Burke Harris has on Instagram, she's at my number story and her website is numberstory.org and it's revolutionary. And I highly recommend anybody to educate themselves to learn about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, Mm -hmm. but also there is a wealth of resources on there, not just education. So, so that's how I combined my attachment, um, like what attachment trauma is, what I went through and I back backtracked it and I connected dots and I said, nope, we're going to, my mission right now is to increase empathy in the world, to empower parents and to really, you know, to, to just get schools and daycares and pediatricians, everybody, you know, that we got to do better by our kids. What a beautiful mission. I absolutely Uh, love what you're sharing and I love your passion and your heart. And uh, I, I, you just, what you said made me think, it just kind of made me think, you started as a PT once you brought in your knowledge that included sensory processing disorder and also attachment yes. between child and parent. Did you notice a difference in the children that you were working with? I noticed a, a, like more compliance in the parents, which would then ultimately affect the progress of the children mm. because you know, you empower the parent, you help them understand the why, and they're, they're just going to, they're going to want to do it. They're going to see progress. I'm also, you know, I'm also certified in something called heart math, um, Mm -hmm. breathing techniques where you, it's, uh, you know, breathing and you're connecting like your brain wave pattern with your, your heart wave pattern. You know, we do EEGs on the brain and that can show that there's like, you know, brain waves. And then the heart, you have the EKG. And what you do is there's certain breathing techniques. And I just find, you know, teaching parents strategies about gratitude lists, about how important it is that if they can kind of get you know, a little bit more stable in themselves, they can't calm a dysregulated child if they're dysregulated. So, so I'm trying, true. yeah, I'm trying to give parents like any tool that I have, no matter how small, maybe at the end of the day to just think about, think back on the day about, you know, something great that happened or, or how you appreciate your child and something small, you know, maybe they managed to get through like a mommy and me class without, you know, melting down or something like the little wins are accumulating and they're huge. And if I can help the parent see the good that's going on with the child, it it just, it spills over. Mm-hmm. So I just, it's not just about, you know, I do see progress with my kids because I teach the parent to be a detective and say, see, well, see why they're doing this. It's telling you, you know, if a child is pushing heavy furniture around, they're seeking proprioceptive input. 
Mm-hmm. So I then tell the parent why they're doing it so that they're not just like telling the child to stop touching the chairs or stop. I tell them why. And then if they're not happy with that particular behavior, we just reshape it. And I say, well, then we got to give them something else that they can lift, you know, carry, tug, push or pull. So mm-hmm. to, to just be mindful about if this is a behavior that you're not okay with, then let's try to replace it with something that's more appropriate in your house. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. I was I was going to say what what you were talking about about the gratitude made me think about some experiences that I've had with some of my children. Two are autistic, currently diagnosed, and and one who's undetermined. But I remember. As younger children, we had some extremely difficult experiences. And as they got older and we started to implement some of our tools, you were talking about some of the tools that you teach parents. And I learned some of these tools and implemented them into our home. Things started to shift, but it was a slow shift. I don't think there's any such thing as a quick fix. Right. But I think what's beautiful about the gratitude is I remember saying to my husband, this is really hard right now, but look how far we've come together as a family. And it was really nice. And that was the day I thought I need to start a little gratitude journal, even if it's one thing a day and write it down so that I can actually see what progress we have made, because it can be hard to see because it is so slow. Yes. And so I I just thought as a parent, that could be a really helpful tool for me is writing it down, helps me change my focus. And it also helps me see progress over time. So I really like your thought of showing gratitude. I think that's a beautiful message. Yeah, and they say writing it down is, is actually key because it's just you're, you're like increasing your focus, mm-hmm. you're increasing your and there's two times in the day where it's the best time to do it. Uh, I mean, look, you could do it anytime if it's like in the middle of lunch. I mean, it's just good to do. But mm-hmm. they say because of the way your brain, your brainwave cycle, either first, you could even just think about it as you wake up in the morning or as you fall asleep. But those are the two best times. Just as you're waking, your 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 brain is cycling through certain brainwaves. And then as you're falling asleep, it's good to marinate in those positive feelings as you go to bed. So that's mm-hmm. also a time to to do that. Well, I love that. I'm going to incorporate that. I I never thought about that. So I appreciate you sharing that. So Don, can you share, is there like a particular experience that you've had that has been particularly rewarding for you within your field? Um, you know, I just, I just love seeing, I mean, just generally speaking, like I Mm -hmm. love seeing aha moments for parents like when you know when they're like that's why my child's doing that and they and oh I was going to use this term with you a minute ago because it was so great that you reframe like your sentence that you're talking in your head you reframed you know that even though the progress is slow like we're still making progress Mm -hmm. and even though it was difficult it's about reframing and that's another reason why I got so invested in in learning about sensory because when I would do like um presentations at school age and I would talk to teachers my I could get like 
emotional thinking about it. Like when I can reframe a quote unquote aggressive kid Mm -hmm. as a tactile avoidant kid, now that teacher is interacting with that child very differently. So our job as professionals and as parents who are advocating for the children, it's to help other people to reframe them. So because, you know, the way you see someone is is the potential that you're going to pull out of them. So we really want to, we want that child to feel, how would you feel if somebody like labeled you, even if it was in their head as aggressive, mm-hmm. but when you reframe it as a different way, there's a different energy between you two. So it's about reframing. So mm-hmm. whether you're reframing your day, whether you're reframing, you know, the way you're looking at, at an event or, um, you know, the way a person looks at a child, it's really, and that's why that book, The Optimistic Child, Mm-hmm. It's uh, Optimistic Child by Martin Seligman. It's called a proven safeguard uh, program against like depression in, in children. I'm like, how is this not given out in like every school? But the <laughs> bottom line, I know it's amazing. The bottom line of the book is it helps you become more aware. It becomes more aware of your the self-talk that you do. And our children are watching us and they model us more than they listen to us when we tell them what to do. So if we can learn like what we're saying, for example, if I'm having a bad day with my car, I'm not going to say I hate all cars. That's globally pessimistic. But maybe I'm having trouble right now in this moment with this specific car because mm-hmm. then it doesn't seem so looming and so daunting and overwhelming. So it's just um, just generally speaking. Speaking, I enjoy seeing that light bulb moment go off in a parent where they stop blaming themselves for something, you know, because some parents will like blame themselves for the tactile sensitivity, you know, or defensiveness, even if they won't eat certain things, you know, I, I want them to not blame themselves. And I want them to understand this, this could be what's going on. Well, I love that because what you're saying is, Help the parents to understand, which then also translates to the child being being able to live a healthier life, a more emotionally healthy life, because their parents are more emotionally healthy and aware. Yes. And I think what you were saying about reframing, it made me think. So my youngest, who is extremely sensory, she has quite a few sensory processing struggles. And one of them is always socks and shoes, things she has to put on her feet. And we were walking into the school. Every time I walk her into her school, she has to sit down on the walk two or three times to it. She'll take her shoes off. She'll pull her socks down over her ankles, scratch her ankles, pull her socks back up and strap her shoes back on. And then we get walking again. And she'll do it over and over again. And I've had parents stop and look at my daughter and look at me. And I know they're thinking, what are you doing, mom? Like, why aren't you just telling your child, get up, like walk into school. And so I turn to many parents and I'll, and I think humor has helped me too. I'll turn to them and, you know, say something like, isn't this sensory stuff just wild? Can you believe? And, and, you know, and I'll say, I have some of it too. It's just not my socks and shoes, but I can feel the hair down the back of my shirt. (laughs) And it's got, you know, I try to, I try to make it a more like an everyday thing that parents don't have to be scared of. And they're watching my child and they all of a sudden, like you said, they're reframing the situation. They have a little bit more of an understanding and everyone goes away 
with a little bit more, I would say almost like a supportive nature of each other, as opposed to looking at each other and saying, what is that? Why isn't that mom pulling it together for her child or a misunderstanding? I would say other parents misread and misunderstand situations often. So I, I think helping them reframe that starts with us as the parents And then we're able to share that with others. And it really does make a difference. It does. And so this is also where regulating the parent comes in by giving them tools. I'm all about tools. Let's say that parent that's having, let's say you, right? Let's say you had a morning where your alarm clock went off late. Your kids were kind of giving you a problem, even getting out of the door that day. You didn't have your morning coffee. Your, Your emotional bandwidth If it was a lot shorter that day and you lost your patience with that person, it it would be hard, right? Because then you're Mm -hmm. feeding. But but if we can help parents who I mean, some parents, the sensory can be off the charts and it's a lot. And so giving them tools to kind of increase their emotional threshold bandwidth of what, you know, they can tolerate, right? You become, you have more patience for other people that you're like, I don't know why people don't get it, you know, but yes. yeah, it's helping. I that's what I really I just want I just want parents to know like you're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. I totally that's the other thing I love about my job is when, you know, I'm listening to a parent and I have all these other professionals going in to evaluate the child and the parents like, wow, like nobody nobody got that. Like and I I'm listening and I'm I'm asking about their day and how does the sensory affect your activities of daily living and does it prevent you from doing anything? It's not just does the kid not like the finger paint? How is this affecting your life? And mm-hmm. I try to write reports that really elaborate on that to help them get the right support, whether it's social work or, you know, whatever specific discipline to to help them. But I'm really, you know, parents go through a lot and I, I don't have necessarily sensory motor processing, you know, a child with sensory issues. I mean, we all have sensory issues. That's another, you know, another uh, off topic <laughs> topic because we all have them. But, but like for me, my stress, if I don't regulate comes in, you know, I have to maintain a happy face because of the emotional, let's say abuse that I'm dealing with, but I don't let my kids necessarily see. Yes. Sometimes they'll see me sad because I want them to see that I have an array of emotions. Mm-hmm. I'm not like Miss Pollyanna happy all the time, but <laughs> you know, I can't be crying hysterical and on the floor. So mm-hmm. I cry in the shower or whatever, but I also have to regulate my emotional bandwidth and the key is supporting each other as parents no matter what the what the story is for our life you know wow 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 I feel like I need to get a megaphone for you I'll drive I'll drive the truck and we'll we'll just take a road trip and you can share your message across the country because I really feel like this is such a critically important message that you're sharing here so Don I'm afraid to ask can I know you work in New York can Parents outside of New York, how can they contact you if they have questions? Because there are a lot of parents that need help in this exact arena, exactly what you're talking about. How can they reach you? So right now I'm, I'm just on um, Instagram at mm-hmm. Secure Babies because of, you know, my attachment connection. Um, but I'm, I'm on there. And then if you, uh, in, you know, direct message me, I can, you know, give you my my email address and we can correspond that way. And depending on, 
the conversation. You know, we maybe talk over the phone. Uh, mm-hmm. So right now it's, I'm just on Instagram. Okay. So that's good. I was afraid you were going to say, I can't talk to the parents because I work in New York, but I love that you will. And you do, and you can give responses and some resources. And so for those of you that were listening to that, it's at secure babies on Instagram. So I, I follow Dawn and she, her posts are right on point. And I always, I always heart them. (laughs) (laughs) because I appreciate your messages. So Don, I just really want to thank you for being with me today and for sharing your knowledge and even more than your knowledge, your passion. I have really connected to your passion, to your devotion, to what you do. And I can tell you really love it. I do. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us today. And you can also follow me at navigating.the.spectrum. 